and welcome to Stuffing Around, Stuff Magazine's gaming podcast. I am Nick Cowan, the Associate Editor of Stuff, and joining me today is Max Manella. Hello! And Max, it's our 30th episode. It's been quite a ride, excuse me, still can't talk. Yeah, this podcast, in terms of episodes, is older than you. It is, actually. Yeah. Substantially older than me. Indeed. I am, I am a spring chicken, and, I say. And for our 30th podcast, <laughs> you said that you were going to as bring promised, a guitar yes. and a kazoo. So I, I am noticing a lack of a kazoo. <laughs> like, like any good AAA games developer, I have delivered on half of my promises. So you mean there's going to be a patch for this theme? Yes, next week I'll bring a, a kazoo, but only the kazoo. And okay. I won't use it, and it'll cost you... Let's say 112 rand to buy it because it's DLC. No, let's say that um, the kazoo will be a solo that takes four hours to download. And is only 10 seconds long. And is only 10 seconds yes, long. Yes, indeed. Okay, so right. you, you've, got, you've got an intro for us. I do indeed have an intro. All right. It's, uh, it's not Shakespeare and it's not Dylan, but I'm quite happy with it. <clears throat> the floor is yours. <laughs> Game news, reviews, different points of view. All this and much more is found on stuffing around. That was bloody awful. <laughs> yeah, I cocked up the ending bit actually. That's all right. You can you can put your guitar away. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, at least you 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 made us halfway. I mean, I at look, the end I of the day, look- it is kind of like a game which is released into the wild, which has uh, issues with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, 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 there'll be a few patches. Give me a year, and then this will be a game of the year equivalent. Okay, I'll give you a year, and at the end of the year, I want a full orchestra. No, you're going to get a concept album made, oh, right, okay. just for stuffing around. So, in the news this week, Alan, I know that you are very happy about this. It was I a am. Pokemon announcement. Yes, so Nintendo, or I guess Pokemon, uh, had the Pokemon Presents, I think is what it's called, event. But it was effectively... Um, just announcements of, of what's to come. Right, in um, Pokemon. Yes. Also, you know, the announcements of the uh, pre-orders are open, guys. Go buy these now before they exist. Right. Um, which, you know, is standard practice. It um, is standard practice now, although I remember the good old days when, um, you know, uh, developers used to go, here's a demo. Play this demo for free. Yeah. And if you like the demo, buy the game. I and mean, these days they're just like, here's something new. Buy it yeah. now before you've seen the finished product. Although, although I feel you like a, I mean there'll be a beta, but it'll only be for pre-orders. Right. Which is possibly my least favorite games practice. Um, I will, but let's get into the nuts and yes. bolts of this. So uh, the Pokemon present. We spoke about this. I think it must have been on like our our seventh episode or eighth episode. Right. Um, about the new Pokemon games coming out. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, mm-hmm. which are the they're not remakes, I guess. They're kind of... Well, I'll get to that. But the, the, the remakes of the classic uh, fourth-generation Pokemon games for the Nintendo DS. Right. Uh, which is coming out later this year. In, in like three months, actually. Just mm. in time for the holiday season. Mm. Um, and uh, also the... Which I'm... This is... I'm, I'm, I'm particularly excited for. We got a lot of news on uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus or Arceus, depending on how you say it. Right. Um, which is an ambitious new... Like... Nick, Pokemon is changing its formula. Okay, how's that? Well, I, I mean, just first off, 
same we've had the same game for like 30 years now right with little to no change but this is looking like a mainline game and yet the light is still on and burning brightly for the masses no i just want to say i mean shout out to pokemon for pulling off the greatest con in video game history which has released the same game twice with each iteration and people will still buy both copies and that's Mm. not even insult an insult i'm genuinely impressed uh, yeah absolutely you know pokemon's been putting like a pokemon fire red and leaf green mm. what's the difference like two pokemon well in actual fact you, you you say to yourself and and here's the thing speaking as someone who's not really in the pokemon mm. camp but i know a shed load of people who are mm. right i have met pokemon fans in their droves across the world if Pokemon wanted to milk this even more... Oh, they could. They probably could. Oh, they so could. in actual fact, what you're talking about, releasing those two iterations, is actually them showing a measure of restraint. A, a modicum of restraint. Yeah. Look, again, I can't, I can't insult them on it, and I won't, because I'm one of those people who buys both versions of the game. There you go. And then the third version... that. And have you ever felt much- cheated? I mean, yes, but I, that's not going to stop me. I don't feel cheated. I feel taken advantage of. Right. <laughs> anyway. And they're all, and, I, I, and I'm willing to bet that all of these iterations are carefully crafted to make your Pokemon video game collection feel completely inadequate unless you own them every all. Every single, absolutely. But that's their slogan, isn't it? Got to have them all. Got to catch them all. Got to catch them that's all. It. And you can't unless you buy all the games. There you go. You know, it's even, you know, it'd be one thing if you could only get half of them, right, mm. in one game. Mm. But they make it so that you can get 96% of them. Mm. And it's just like, you want to mm. tell yourself, that's enough. I don't need the other 4%, but you do. Yeah. And that's why you buy the other. You know, the funny thing about this is it reminds me back in the day of uh, the music of Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah? To, to a degree even up until this day, because Nine Inch Nails did something very, very canny, Trent Reznor. I don't know if it was his idea, but it probably was, um, is that if you notice, if you buy a Nine Inch Nails album or a single, it has Halo and a number on it. So, for example, um, Down In It, the first single he ever released was called Halo 1. Pretty Hate Machine, Halo 2. Okay. All right, the next single, Halo 3. You know, Halo Four, Five, and and you find yourself falling into that collector's mentality. Oh, where of you going, see, I've got Halo Seven and Nine, but yeah. I don't have Eight. Yeah, and then you go, you know, now we live in a, a day and age where, you know, not only did he offer out an album that was completely free in the slip, um, where you could just download it for free, mm. or, or you know, you can listen to Nine Inch Nails to your heart's content on Spotify. But if you were collecting them from the beginning, Ooh. you want that physical copy. You need, you need those physical copies. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they get you. So what was announced in this? So um, effectively, we got a look at some gameplay uh, and we got a look at whatever new stuff, new, either actually new or new in quotation marks, as in we've seen this before, but like it's kind of revamped right? Uh, in both games, as well as just a look at the, um, you know, the graphics, uh, the the areas, which you know, for a lot of Pokemon fans, um, where you go and what what you see there is, mm. a, big, is a big part of the journey because it's about you start in this little town and you make your way throughout the region. Mm. Um, so we first got to look at the updated Sinnoh region, which you might remember Brad and I complaining about the character models uh, if, if not, if if I do, I've um, thrown it out the it's, window. It's been a while, yes. So I, me personally, I still think that the uh, the sprites uh, look awful. They look right. like, like they look. They just. This uh, is only a conversation you could have with a Pokemon fan. I think that <laughs> I think the sprites are less aesthetically pleasing. Well, well, the Overland sprites, because in battle, everything looks great. Okay. So don't get me wrong. In battle, uh, character models are great. Um, the trainer animations are, are, are great. One thing I think fans will 
already have picked up on. I don't know if you remember all of the controversy surrounding Pokemon Sword and Shield. No. Well, so Sword and Shield was Pokemon's first outing onto a more powerful piece of hardware, like mm. the mainline series. Mm. Um, and a big thing people have complained about with Pokemon for ages is the battle animations. It's You've got your sprite with an idle animation, and then when, when they do an attack, they literally just like shift the sprite up and down and then animate a fist over the opponent and that's the attack. Right. right? Which on the, you know, the Game Boy was like, yeah, it's a Game Boy. We need to, you know, we've mm. got restrictions. Um, people were expecting a little more effort with the Switch iteration of Pokemon and they didn't get it. Right. And people were mad. Right. Uh, also because the reason that the... Is this going to stop any of them, yourself included? From buying the games. No. <laughs> right. So, in other words... It's, I know, I know. I understand. This is a pointless argument because I'm still going to get the game. So, the upshot of this is... Upshot is... Well, of, of Pokemon Brilliant Pearl and, and, and... I mean, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Did I get that right? Or was it Shining Diamond and Brilliant Pearl? The remakes. Um, I wouldn't know. You're the Pokemon <laughs> fan. Right. They look... Aside from the character designs uh, and the overworld, it looks great. And the, Oh, and the, the lackluster animations. It looks great. Um, they've brought back a bunch of features that people really loved from the old game that didn't get put into any of the other games. Okay. Uh, like Pokemon contests where you effectively put them on show and they do dances and perform for points. Oh, my God. Yeah, which isn't exactly like, you know, Pokemon mainline. Um, there's some collectibles that people love. Pokemon fans get obsessed over the smallest things. That's not an Says insult. Says the man who buys both iterations. No, I'm one of them. Like, I am so stoked they've brought back these things called patches, which lets you customize, like, the shimmer effect of when your Pokemon comes out of its Pokeball in battle. And I've want, I've, it still hurts me that I haven't seen that since uh, the original Diamond and Pearl. Okay, so just to wrap this up, <laughs> what you're essentially saying is they made an announcement about a couple of new Pokemon games. Yes. Right. Some fans took to social media to vent their spleen. I Look, I don't know if they've done it's that It's probably not going to affect the sales. No. And they've brought back some things that fans missed. Well, that's in the remakes. Mm. Um, which, again, the reason I hesitate to call them, like, they're more remasters than remakes because right. they're, not, they're not changing much about them. Right. They're just upscaling the graphics. Pokemon Arceus looks incredible. Right. It looks like Breath of the Wild meets Pokemon. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the actual... Um, environment looks gorgeous mm. uh the shading we got introduced to, to some characters which like there's going to be actual story in a pokemon game mm. um i mean it's always had it but it's never been great mm. um and we got to look at the new battle mechanics which are really really interesting the new capturing and battle mechanics um because it's a much more action oriented uh it's like action action combat mixed with rpg elements okay. uh, but like but like jrpg elements so it's if you're not a pokemon fan thank you for staying with us up until up until this point because now we're moving on are we are, we you, are. are you tired of pokemon Nick? no it's not just that <laughs> it, it, it's it's the fact that you know i really think and i I'm, I'm sure that there are dozens out there of just totally pokemon dedicated podcasts mm. oh oh yeah this isn't one of them. No, it's not. Right. Uh, yeah. And it, so you just gave us the highlights. I did. Let's move on. Awesome. <laughs> right. Uh, shall we start with you? Yeah. You've been playing uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of a very f now very famous um, roguelike game called Hades. Hades. Is it just Hades, or isn't it Hades, son of something? Uh, well, I mean, if it is Hades, son of son of something, um, its uh, subtitle has been lost <laughs> in its port to consoles. Right. So that's why. I mean, because this has been out for a while. Yeah. But it hasn't been on consoles up until this month. Mm -mm. Right. So Hades. How do I explain this? Right. 
Okay. Imagine Dark Souls crossed with Diablo, or rather The Ascent, actually, because you're actually doing the same thing in The Ascent as you are in Hades, which is moving upwards yes. the entire time and fighting bad guys. Mm -hmm. And it looks, well, I say it looks, it, it, it kind of, it has the same format. Top down to the side, like Diablo, yeah, yeah. like The Ascent. Um, meet Spelunky. Spelunky? As a, as in a roguelike. Oh, I was so I was going to say Dead Cells. Well, Dead Cells is another roguelike. But yes, but exactly. Yeah, yeah. So imagine that. Now imagine that it has some of the most gorgeous artwork you have ever seen in your life. Like, really, like, um, the sort of thing that you would see in a master class of anime. Okay. All right? Now imagine it has one of the most banging soundtracks you've ever heard in your life. All right. Right. And now imagine that the uh, through line of it is uh, Greek mythology. I, I mean, you sold me a while ago, but that's really that's really taking me. So essentially, you play uh, Zag. I'm going to call him Zag, uh, Zagris. Uh, you are the son of Hades. As would be implied by the title. Yes, but here's the thing. Hades, to a lot of people, just means hell. Right, yes. Whereas in actual fact, in Greek mythology, Hades was the god of the underworld. Yes. In Roman mythology, he was Pluto, right? Right. In Roman mythology, the underworld was called Hades. Oh, okay. In ancient Greece, it was called Tartarus. Well, I think it wasn't Tartarus. Okay, no, no, no. I'm not going to get into the semantics of it, but yes. Right. So Zag is a bit fed up of living in hell. Right. Right. As, he, as one gets. And um, to compound his um, frustrations of living in hell, he's getting missives from the Olympian gods, like Zeus and Aphrodite and Dionysus and all the rest of them, who are saying, oh, we're having a wonderful time up here. You should really come up. We've even saved you a seat. You should really come up. And his dad's like, you're my son. You're not going anywhere. Right? And Zag's like, yeah, to hell with that. So he has to make his way. But dad. Exactly. He has to, well, here's the thing. We'll come back to that comment. But he decides to take himself up to Olympus. Right. Right. Have some fun. Cool. Right. Um, beyond the soundtrack and the presentation, which are off the scale. Right. The writing and voice acting is superb that, as well. That's really interesting. I mean, for example, okay, let's get back to that. Let's just talk about what you do. So... You head out into Tartarus initially. Hmm. Eventually, you get to places like Elysium and beyond that, right? You have you start off with one weapon. You will eventually unlock another another couple of weapons. Uh, one's a shield. One's a uh, uh, how would you a, a bow? Another one is I would call it a trident, but they call it a spear. I think that something that's two pronged is probably a trident hmm. or bident or, or bident. Anyway. <laughs> And you have these fantastic attacks, these fantastic mechanics. There's dodges, there's um, distance attacks, there's uh, melee attacks, the whole nine yards. You run into all manner of beasties in the underworld, which you hammer away at um, until until you get past them. Essentially, the um, the structure is you enter a room or a, yeah, you enter a room. Enemies spawn, kill all the enemies go out the room right. when you leave the room sometimes you have one door sometimes you have two each door has an orb in front of it right which means that you will get a certain reward based uh, on which okay. orb you choose okay okay that orb can be anything from um you know a, a, a goblet of nectar that you can give to a character for for advantages uh, it could be um you know a coin which you can use to um buy stuff at the shop 
which is run by Kiron, the, the ferryman, who took the uh, living to the land of the dead. Um, it could be uh, the sigil of one of the gods who will give you a power-up. Um, and as you progress, you become more and more powerful, right? When you die, mm. you get dumped right back to the beginning of the game. Sounds like a roguelike. Right back to the beginning of the game. It doesn't matter how far along you are, you're dumped right back to the beginning mm. of the game. However, obviously you don't lose your collectibles. Mm-mm. You don't lose the coins you've collected and the gems you've collected. You might lose one or two power-ups. But once you're dumped back to the beginning of the game, you can go into Zag's bedroom, look in the mirror, power yourself up a little bit, go into the next room. If you've picked up some keys, you can unlock a new weapon, take a different weapon with you, see how that works out, mm. and then off you go again. And because it's a roguelike, you know, uh, just because Zeus gave you a power-up as you landed in Tartarus does not mean that he's going to be there this time. Mm. You might get something completely different. Mm. So it's got that that kind of incremental approach to progress that roguelikes are kind of famous for. Indeed, but yeah. it, it also kind of tips the scale slightly in the player's balance because um, there are certain things, for example, that uh, dying won't take away from you. Like... You know, when you die and you go to your room and you look in the mirror, you can power yourself up in certain ways, and that stays with you for the entire game. Okay. So you are getting stronger all the time in incremental ways. Yeah. It's just that the different power-ups that you may get on your way out of Tataris to the next level um, might not be the same ones. Okay. But you're always going to be able to be, you know, or get slightly further than the last time you were. Indeed, yeah, indeed, yeah. That, that's the point. Look, I, re- I remember when Hades came out. <clears throat> it, did it come out last year? Yeah, on, it was on PC. On PC, and it later released on Switch, and now it's come to consoles. Mm. Um, I mean, I know the Switch is a console, but that's beside the point. But when it when it landed on PC, it set the internet on fire. Oh no, it's 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 amazing, um, and and you know beyond that, you know beyond the art style, beyond the game, which is incredibly fun to play, beyond the uh, the, the soundtrack, it's incredibly well written and incredibly well voiced. I, so For example, when you get dumped back into uh, the Hall of Hades, which is like where you land up when you die, mm. you know you'll pitch up and like you know. There's your dad sitting behind the table writing some stuff down. And he's like, oh, you're back again, are you, idiot? (laughs) And you're like, hello, father. How are you doing? Well, I'm actually going over the accounts, um, Zagreus, because uh, you caused a lot of damage on your your attempted escape. Did you have fun? Yes, I did, father. Thank you for asking. You know, and it's that sort of dry wit that carries all the way through. Mm. Superbly written, superbly voiced, beautifully presented. Heaps of fun to play. Amazing soundtrack. I would say that it's arguably the best game I've played all year. Mm. And probably one of the best games I've played within the last five years. It's a shame you didn't play it before we started talking about best games last year. I mean, not last year, last week. Well, absolutely. absolutely. But, but released this year. Oh, okay. That well, was... I mean, technically ported this year. Okay. So... Well, I suppose it wouldn't, well... ma- it wouldn't make the cut then, would it? Yeah, that's true. That's which, true. which is a shame because um, if you are listening to this and you enjoy roguelikes and um, this, this, as far as I'm concerned, is a benchmark it's also, in it, the genre. It's, a, it's an indie game, right? Uh, yep. Yeah, so it's never going to... You're not going to... You don't have to pay AAA prices for it either. Well, I don't know. We were um, kindly sent a code by no, Prima. Sure, sure. But I mean, even I've seen the price. I haven't bought Hades. I actually haven't played it, but now I have to. Yeah. Um, and I will go buy it because... It's, it's cheap. cheap. Like the budgie. Yeah. 
No, no, seriously. If, um, there's sometimes we we talk about games and we say, well, you could do worse than blah blah blah. I'm mm -hmm. telling you right now, if you like roguelikes and you haven't played this, you are missing out. Really, really mm -hmm. missing out. It's it's superb. Yeah, absolutely superb. By the time this goes out, my review should be up and. You, you, you can see all of Nick's thoughts in the yeah. plainly printed glory yeah. on uh, Stuff.co.za. Other than that, I played the open beta for Back for Blood. You are, oh, you have. Yes, yeah. I saw you uh, You did a nice piece on it yeah. uh, on the site. Yeah, we'll link to that in the uh, description. We shall. Um, and we're not going to spend too much time on Back for Blood because obviously we covered it um, last quite week. exhaustively last week. Yes. I would say this. Um, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun playing it. I still think that people need headsets. <laughs> yeah. It's much better if you do have a headset. Um, but there are two things about it I don't like. Oh, really? Yeah. Specifically? Don't like how bright it is. I don't like the lighting. Okay. All right. Do you try turning the brightness down? I did turn the brightness <laughs> so, down. I, I, no, 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 sure it, it's, it's, not, it's not just the lighting. It's the color scheme okay. as well. I mean, uh, Left 4 Dead had a kind of dour grainy kind mm. of look to it i mean it looked like an old horror film basically yeah. whereas back for blood just kind of looks like your average standard game uh, I, I i i had the same impression now yeah. obviously i don't have the um the the same attachment to left to de for dead to have mm. really noticed mm. um but now that you've said it i can absolutely mm. see the difference between like the gritty grainy mm. uh old school resident evilly yeah left for dead versus as much as it looks great and slick and you know and it's high, fun to play high fidelity it's much more it's much brighter yeah is, i think is the best way you said it the other thing about it that i don't like is the soundtrack well when i say the soundtrack i mean the musical score because mm. um, it's kind of like a little bit um i don't know hit country music sort of thing and not that i have a problem with country music mm. at all i um, do well that, <laughs> that, that that's between you and your maker but um Refa Dead had this kind of really eerie um, soundtrack to it. Mm. Um, you know, not just when the witch pitched up and the sort of piano started dancing up and down, but it just, it, it, it you got the impression that it was just you four out there all on your own. Whereas like at times in Back for Blood, I felt like I was listening to the radio. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it felt like. Mm. Um Again, I didn't I didn't mention this in my impressions, but because you're saying it, I'm, mm. I'm realizing you're absolutely right. Um, there's a lot less of that sense, just in terms of the score, a lot less of that sense of foreboding mm. in in Back for Blood than in um, Left for Dead. Like in Black, Back for Blood, when you're in the main hub area and you're listening to that kind of twangy country thing, mm. you're kind of thinking to yourself, "All right, let's get out there and let's mm. blow some heads off." Whereas in Left for Dead, you're like, "I'm I'm trying to survive." The last, and uh, last but not least, that's the other problem I have with it: the hub. Yeah. Because it's kind of like you're in this camp with the zombies outside. Why are you going out in the first place? Number one. Number two, the other thing about Left 4 Dead was you got the impression it was literally you four. Yeah. Right. That you were the only signs of life. That's it. Mm. Right. And that kind of made the game feel more like a pressure cooker in terms of, um, you know, it's, it's you four against the world. Whereas, you know, in Back for Blood, you kind of feel as though you're part of a bigger resistance movement or something yeah which i mean that's going to come down to your personal and that's all i have to say on that that's going to come down to your personal tastes on how you like your zombie apocalypse uh, mm. settings um that that's a totally gamer thing to say <laughs> what is your personal preference on the zombie apocalypse let wow. us know in the comments like comment and subscribe go on to stuff.co.za for all the latest news reviews and points of view and let us know 
What is your preference of the zombie apocalypse? Coming up next, is top it, 10 zombies in movies. Is it shambling zombies? Running zombies? Zombie shooters? Zombie tic-tac-toe? I don't know. Anyway, plants, plants versus zombies? Yeah. Well, really good game. Really good game. Um, but other than that, <laughs> on top of that, I've been playing the Assassin's Creed DLC, The Siege of Paris. Yes, you have. Now, we, we have mentioned it before in your last Assassin's mm. Creed um, adventure. Mm, no. Uh, well, I mean, we mentioned it in the podcast last week. I was just... We, oh, we did. That's right. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm. It's very interesting. Because, okay, so just to put it into perspective for you, you haven't played Valhalla, have you? I have not played any Assassin's Creed since Black Flag. Okay. Right. So well, the thing is, there was a complaint that a lot of Assassin's Creed fans had, was that Assassin's Creed Valhalla had more in common with the Witcher series than it had with previous... Assassin's Creed games. Valid point. Right. Mainly due to the fact that, like, yes, you can stealth, but you can also just charge in there and nail everybody if you're powered up enough. Mm. Right? The Siege of Paris takes you back to a more old-school um, Assassin's Creed style of play, um, which is, you know, investigating, gathering clues working out where your target is, how best to hit them, and then striking at the optimum point. Right. The closest relative... Okay, so this is all packaged, let's say, in the Siege of Paris, as uh, infiltration missions. And that's not a very far stone's throw away from the black box scenarios that you got in Assassin's Creed Unity. Okay. In a way, it's kind of fitting because both of them are set in Paris. In Paris, except this is, you know, pre-Eiffel Tower Paris. Indeed. Yeah. It's pre-indoor plumbing Paris. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's got more in common with Hitman than it's got with The Witcher, where it's like wander around, investigate, sit down, listen in on a conversation ask a bartender about this. She gives you a clue over here. Investigate that clue there. Okay, this person may have a mini mission for you to get this in order for him to help you. Then you go back to the main thing. And it's it, it, it's 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 more free roaming. And in a way, it's quite cool because the thing about the Siege of Paris is uh, the backstory of it is, you know, uh, Aphos got a visitor mm. at his, um, his uh, town in Ravensthorpe called Toka. Um, her uncle Siegfried is um, up against the post by a heinous um, uh, Parisian ruler called Charles the Fat. <laughs> yes. Um, and he, she basically says, can you come and help us out? Hmm. Now, unlike Wrath of the Druids, where you went to Ireland and met up with a cousin and you know helped your cousin expand his empire the same way that you expanded your empire in the base game, which was going over here, doing this quest, going over there, doing this quest, building up this particular settlement, building up that particular settlement, establishing streams of revenue, etc., etc., raiding the whole nine yards. Right. In the Siege of Paris, you're basically um, like the French resistance during the... Second, resistance! Yeah, during the Second World War. You're outmanned, you're outgunned, you're outnumbered, and if you try the direct approach, you're going to get turned into paint. You're going to get absolutely smashed. Right. right. So in actual fact, you it's kind of like guerrilla warfare mm. in that like you're not taking the direct approach. You work to destabilize the system 
and the structures that Charles the Fat depends upon mm. in order to rule the way he's doing. So you really feel like an, an underdog, you know, cut and run resistance. Mm. Uh, Even if you've leveled up, because the thing is, before you get in there, I think you have to be level 200. Whereas like with Wrath of the Druids, you only had to be level sorry, 50 what, or something. What is, the, first off, because I haven't played any of the Assassin's Creed games where you have levels. Right. Yet. No. Um, but what, what is the level cap? I have no, no idea. Because if you've got to be level 200, yeah, yeah. it's quite high. Well, this is the other thing is that, like, you know, playing through the Siege of Paris was quite lengthy to begin with. Mm. But, like, I was just lucky I'd finished Wrath of the Druids because then I had to do an extra, like, four hours of grinding. Just to get up to the level. Just to get up to the level. And, not, and here's the thing, um, you know, it doesn't prevent you from starting the Siege of Paris if you are under the um, suggested level. Right. It's just way bloody harder yeah not a great idea yeah um so yeah um i would say that the story's pretty good but it's pretty you know it, it works at the, at the service of something unlike hades for example where you're genuinely interested in how the story progresses and and, and even though you are like bouncing about firing frenetically um, you know, you you know, utilizing skills and all the rest of it. Mm. The story in Hades is really, really good. The characters are really, really compelling. Right, right. Assassin's Creed can't say that with Siege of Paris. Um, it's not a bad story, but you can see the different beats coming from a mile away. So it's more like the story is an excuse for the gameplay to happen. I would say it's the story just underpins the gameplay. Right. Which, I mean, that's not an insult. A lot of games mm. are like, most games are like that. Mm, no, absolutely. Um, and I, I, mean, I mean, that's the thing that makes Hades truly special. It really is truly special is because its story is so great. And they could probably have, you know, written the story in the back of a matchbox and still had a hit on their mm. hands with everything else that's going on in that game. But with Assassin's Creed, it's like the story's a little bit predictable. Um, Siegfried as a character is really irritating. Okay. I was actually hoping that at some point, you know, Aoife would get the um, the opportunity to hit him in the head with a mallet. <laughs> I mean, the standout character for me is Charles the Fat, um, because oh, we, he, we, lo we love a good villain. No, he's he's a superb villain. He's one of the best villains the Assassin's Creed franchise has seen for a while. He is so insidious because he comes across as this kind of like loquacious, half drunk, you know, kind of pampered fat king. Mm. But, you know, all of that hides a mind that is incredibly sharp and incredibly insidious. Okay. Yeah. Is he, is he a, uh, a suitably stereotypical moustache-twirling French villain? No, he's not. Is he, he not? He's a rather fat, um, lying back in his chair, crown on at an angle. You know, everything about him basically... Um, telegraphs the idea that this guy should be a pushover. Right. But the more you get to know him, the more you realize there's a reason he's in power. Yeah. And it's not because he's stupid and it's not because he's, um, what would I say, uh, uh, an overindulgent individual. He's very, very sharp and he's very, very evil. And that should have been signposted to E4 when he arrives in, in um, the Siege of Paris because as you pilot your boat down uh, the Seine towards your um, Siegfried's uh, longhouse. Mm. There are literally like trees of people who are with dead bodies hanging, trees with dead bodies hanging from them, some of which are on fire. It looks like something out of Dante's Inferno. Mm. It really, really sets the scene very, very well. For a, for a 
very evil villain. But here's the thing. I think that the Siege of Paris is a pretty pretty brave move because Assassin's Creed has been moving away from stealth for ages. Yeah, for a while now. Yeah. I mean, Black Flag is a great example. Can you remember that many stealth missions? I mean, there are a couple of follow missions. Look, I mean, you can if you want to stealth it, but why would you when, you know, the combat's so much more fun? Exactly. And then, you know, and naval battles and what have yeah. you and all the rest of it. I mean, that's the thing is I, I, I think that the break came um, probably around about Assassin's Creed Revelations, mm. which still had stealth elements, but it was moving away from that. And by the time Assassin's Creed Origins pitched up... Oh like completely different game it's 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 an open world rpg honestly i wouldn't with hardly any stealth if, if we could going go, on there if we could go back to assassin's creed origins right right and and ubisoft released it under a completely different ip mm. i like i wouldn't play it from what i've seen and what i've looked at, i wouldn't play it and then go hang on this is kind of an assassin's creed game because mm. it, it feels like a completely different thing yeah the um, only thing that really they all have in common is that everyone wears a hood most yeah, of the time. and I mean, there's there's kind of that that narrative through line of the I don't even know. It's the stupid one, the the one with like the freaking apples and the the hologram people and and you yep. know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, uh, it's it's a topic we've covered time and time again on we, this podcast. We did spend an episode, which ranking. is um, the present day Assassin's Creed narrative stinks. It's awful it's rubbish yeah which is kind of why they've they, they seem to have abandoned it funnily enough oh no there's no present day narrative in oh. the siege of paris okay good fine i don't that's great i was i was well not one i came across anyway i was i was worried you were going to be like oh it rears its ugly head again. oh no 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 no, no. that's fantastic that's great news fantastic yeah, yeah. nine out of ten <laughs> <laughs> well 8.6 yes right that is <laughs> of course we get it nick you're a games journalist the uh, the only the only caveat i'd say is like i mean if you if if stealth is kryptonite to you um you may have enjoyed the base game and you may have enjoyed Wrath of the Druids. If stealth is kryptonite to you, you're not going to have much this. fun here. Because they finally make you do what an assassin is supposed to do. Indeed. Sneak be stealthy. Yeah, sneak around. And that's the other thing. It, it kind of brings it back to its roots where it's like, I mean, the order of assassins right from the get-go back in the days of Altair was supposed to be this, you know, hidden order that spring from the shadows and, you know... Um, help help sort of guide world events in a certain direction, you know, by killing people. Right. Right. Quietly and off screen. You know, and, and doing it for the greater good. You yeah. know, I kill you in the name of peace. Um, <laughs> let, let me brush this feather against yeah. your gently bleeding neck to yeah. bring back to my leader. Indeed. Whereas like Assassin's Creed Valhalla was like, well, we just got kicked out of our own home. We're going to set up shop in somebody else's home. And if they got a problem with that... We're just going to roll right through them. We're going to fight them. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I'd love to th see. There are no storming of the castles in the Siege of Paris, which mm. you had a lot in Valhalla. You know, I mean, and I'm the assassin. Really? You're helping use a battering ram to knock down a door. <laughs> I think maybe. There's nothing stealthy about this. Maybe the definition of assassin was different back in the time of Vikings. I, I, I would really love if the uh, Siege of Paris opened with a stealth mission, right? And your main. Like whoever is, has given you the mission is like, well, we're going to have to sneak in really quietly and uh, we're going to have to quietly stab people and drag bodies away and you can't be caught and we can't go in guns blazing and I just want to see your main character go, ah, yeah. ah I, I don't know how to do that anymore. Yeah, well, that's, that's not how we do things back home, We man. don't do that here. How am I supposed to stealth in with a two-handed axe? <laughs> Tell me that. 
So yeah, I mean, but you know, like I said, I'd say the Siege of Paris is worth investing in. The other thing also is it's DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And if you bought Valhalla and you enjoyed Valhalla, um, you have to ask yourself some questions about how much you like stealth. Mm. Um, if you like stealth or if you want to dip... And here's the other thing. If you want to dip your toe into the stealth genre, this is a really, really good piece of DLC to do that with. Without fully Be- committing to a game. Because like I said, I mean, the thing about, about Hitman, for example, is that you can wander around an environment literally for an hour just mm. picking up bits and pieces until you know the lay of the land and the, the layout of the map and all the rest of it. Siege of Paris is a bit more streamlined than that. Mm. They point you in a direction of certain things, off you go, sort this out over here, come back here, listen to this conversation, etc., etc. You're not going to be spending like ages and ages and ages like you could in Hitman um, finally finding the right route to your target. The other thing I liked about the Siege of Paris is that the map's really small, comparatively speaking. I mean, like, as someone who does get overwhelmed by the scale of video games sometimes, mm. I can see why that's a, that's a positive, mm. that's a plus. Well, this is the thing. is like, I had to play Assassin's... Well, I say I had to play. I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla for fun um, and until Wrath of the Druids came along and then I had to grind to get up to level mm. and similarly here. But, you know, there are times when you're playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and you go, okay, so where's the next mission? It's all the way over there. Right, Do have I... Have I opened up an eagle point? No, I haven't. It's not even one close to that. Means I'm going to have to get on a friggin' horse and go all the way down to the bottom of the bloody map, and that's going to take five minutes. And five minutes in a game is a long time. Oh, five minutes of just, you know, not doing the fun stuff. Exactly. Five minutes of watching the back end of a horse as you ride through oh no it's a glorified loading screen if we're being honest well that's the thing it's not even a glorified loading screen because you know as you go along there'll be things that pop up on either side of you I mean there might be another quest you see there might be an eagle point you think oh I'll open that up later in case some idiot needs me to do something over here and then Mm. I can just come straight here so um, I don't fall into this and that's, and that's And that's before you, you, you might run into a pack of wolves or some, or some Anglo-Saxons right. who want to cut you up. So you can't even just sit back and let it happen. No, no you can't. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Is like I, I once um, was, was riding from, I think it was from London to present-day Norwich or something like that. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just hit X, follow the road, hit Y, go towards your marker. And I went and made a cup of coffee and came back and I was dead. <laughs> because I'd run into a pack of wolves and they'd, kill, uh, they'd, they'd knock me off my horse. And, and they you, were, you they, just stood there because you were making coffee. Exactly. And uh, I just thought I could, I could, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's really, really bad to talk about it like that. Like Assassin's Creed Valhalla is kind of like the washing machine. Like the washing machine's doing something. I feel validated. I can go and do something else. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so the Siege of Paris. Um, if you like Valhalla. If you like Valhalla and you like stealth. Highly recommended. Yeah. Um, uh, Hades, you if you like roguelikes, you probably already I mean, if, if you, you probably already own it. If you have a passing interest in video games, play Hades. You know, absolutely. And yeah, mixed feelings about Back for Blood. I That's mean, where I am. That's where I am after a thundering amount of time playing games. Yeah. Um, you have been doing this for a while. No, absolutely. And you know, I mean, I enjoy it. But, but like you know, there are times when you're sitting in front of your, you know your gaming console and going, 
really should be doing something else with my time. But I don't know. anyway, I'm being paid for I'm, it. I'm sure so. that goes for most hobbies, but yeah. yes, yeah. I think I think because this is ours. Yeah, well, um, it's not just a hobby, it's work. Exactly. It's And it's, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. So, thank you very much, Max. Thank you for having me, Nick. Yes, and I expect to see you back here with your kazoo next, next week. week. Um, Only if you pay for the DLC. Well, we'll crowdfund that bit. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everyone.